Who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, June 29th. The dam nearly breaks at the 2021 Wimbledon on day two. What do I mean by that? Well, it wasn't a day that saw a ton of upsets across the board, but certainly one of the biggest storylines entering this 2021 Wimbledon is the pursuit of history for both Roger Federer and Serena Williams for Fed. We all believe if he's going to capture a 21st singles major victory, it's probably going to have to be at Wimbledon. And while he played fewer than 10 matches in the last 52 weeks, entering this event. He makes the fourth round of the French Open before having to withdraw. He looked pretty good in a three-set loss in Halle to Felix Ogier Aliassime, but certainly with his pedigree, with the lack of grass court matches for so many of these next-gen rising stars in the men's game, it feels like this is as good as any of an opportunity for Fed to capture slam number 21. He survives an upset bid, from Adrian Manorino today, ultimately advancing in the fifth set when Manorino is forced to retire due to an injury. He slipped on these grass courts and slips, a theme we're going to talk about here on today's podcast, but just unable to continue physically. Federer able to survive and advance. Unfortunately, half of the pursuit of history at this major, or I suppose a third, given what Djokovic is going after, is now officially that chapter closed as Serena Williams forced to withdraw from this event as she slips on the grass, or not quite slips, but just, again, something was wrong in a step she took moving to her right, 3-1 in the first set against Alexandra Sasnovich. Now, she got the injury wrapped up. She tried to continue playing, but just unfortunately, the pain was too much to overcome. She's forced to withdraw three all in the first set of her first round match. The pursuit 
of slam number 24 going to have to wait for Serena Williams. And while I will talk about that again here on today's pod, if you just want to hear my immediate reaction to those two subjects, you can hear my instant reaction podcast here on the mini break feed. You can also go see me and watch it on video on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Instant reactions for the biggest storyline, something we're trying to incorporate in our coverage of this 2021 Wimbledon. So hopefully you all have listened to those by now. But again, if you haven't listened and you'd prefer to see my smiling and goateed laced face right now, you can do so on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Why am I keeping that goatee on my face? Because we're 5-0-5 right now with our GSP Ace of the Day picks. And until we suffer that first loss, I'm not shaving. Something's working. I don't know what it is. I know it's going to end, but we ride it out while it's hot. So the goatee stays for now. I apologize, Dad. Don't worry. It's not like he's actually watching the YouTube videos, but my mom definitely will show him the YouTube videos and I guarantee I'm going to get a text either tomorrow or the next day or a call most likely because nowadays he's just at home all day so he'll be like Alex shave the goatee I'll be like, yeah, but it's his thing, ace of the day, yada, yada, yada. Anyways, if you want to hear those ace of the day picks, get in on the action. You can hear them each night on our Great Shot podcast feed. Of course, if you need more coverage day in, day out, you can follow it all. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Cracked Rackets. I'm at Great Shot Pod. Of course, the reason we are able to do these daily recaps on this mini break podcast day in, day out of the 2021 Wimbledon and throughout this 2021 season is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Cracked Rackets Patreon family, and of course, from our friends at Tennis Point. You guys know the deal. For the best equipment at the best prices, we're talking shirts, shorts, Shoes, rackets, strings, grips, you name it, they've got it. Tennis-point.com. You use our promo code CR15. Not only will you let them know we sent you there, you'll also get 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Tennis-point, the symbol, not the spelling. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, let's recap day two of this 2021 Wimbledon and the place we have to start on today's podcast with Serena Williams' withdrawal from this event. Certainly, Serena, the number six seed entering this event. She was the odds favorite uh, as recently as Saturday. She was plus 600 to win the event. The next closest was top seed Ashley Barty at plus 650. And of course, we didn't know her health entering this event. I'll talk about her three-set win over Suarez Navarro a little bit later. But look, Serena walked out on court against Alexandra Sasnovich today with a heavily wrapped thigh. And perhaps there's a reason she didn't enter any of the grass court events. And you could tell she was ginger and uh, throughout her French Open run, gingerly monitoring her body and just ensuring, again, that she wasn't putting too much stress, playing points too long, not trying to get dragged into these 10, 15, 20-shot rallies. She was being more aggressive with her return of serve, and I think the numbers recently have manifested that self. You look for Serena Williams, her first serve percentage a little bit down, while you know she's still winning an elite level of first serve. She's still a top five server on uh, tour right now. She's not that elite number one. She's not holding 80 to 85% of the time, a number really only her and Naomi Osaka have ever hit in women's tennis history, and her return percentages have played 
plummeted. She's making fewer returns because she's being more aggressive. Now, again, that's just this version of Serena Williams. That's what it's going to take from her to win these matches at this point in her career, to be aggressive, to not rely on her physicality to win out in the end. And look, early on in this match, despite the heavily wrapped thigh, she was up a break. She was up 3-1, 15 all in this match, playing aggressive, playing precise, so good with that return of serve. And again, why these grass courts, why Wimbledon feels like it's going to be the place for number 24 for Serena A, the lack of sample size, that's always going to be a recurring theme for so many of these young rising stars in the women's game right now. I've mentioned this stat repeatedly over the past few days. Sviantek now, two career wins on grass courts and Durescu, one career win. We haven't seen a big sample size of Osaka on grass courts. You know, Bardi is going to be good. Muguruza going to be good. Uh, and while, you know, players like Bencic, Sabalenka, Svitolina, Sakari, Mertens, etc. are all dangerous, none of them play at an elite level on grass courts right now. And so it and Halep's out of the draw, by the way. She was injured entering this event. Kerber, while she won bad Hamburg, she hasn't had a track record of success over the last 52 weeks. So it did feel like there was an opening for Serena Williams at this major specifically for number 24. And you feel like with every passing major, because Naomi Osaka has earned the right to be considered a prohibitive favorite at every hard court slam. And clay courts, never Serena's best surface. Perhaps that fact is more amplified now uh, than ever at this point of her career. French Open, probably not the place. Wimbledon feels like the opportunity. And the more grass court matches these young rising stars play, the more dangerous they all become. And of course, with each passing year, with all due respect, it's not like Serena Williams is going to refine her prime. This is probably the Serena Williams we see through the rest of her career. And let's be clear, Serena Williams can play for as long as she'd like. She has earned the right to go out on her terms, not play or play for as long as she desires. But she pulled out of the Olympics prior to this Wimbledon. The Grand Slams are on her mind. That's the pursuit. Number 24 is whether it's the U.S. Open this year, maybe the Slams next year as well. That's what she has on her mind, going out on top one more time at a major event. And unfortunately, it's not going to happen here at Wimbledon. Again, 3-1, 15-all. Sasnovich hits a ball to the Serena forehand. Serena's moving that way and kind of takes a step, and she kind of falls back. She doesn't slip and fall to the ground, but you could tell it was you know, a misstep, that she didn't land right, that her foot kind of gave out under her and slipped a little bit under her. And then on that very next shot in the rally, Sasnovich hits behind her back to that forehand wing, and it was tough for Serena to get to that ball, and she kind of re-aggravated that ankle when trying trying to step that direction. And then Sasnovich ends up breaking back, 2-3 uh, in the set. Then Serena goes into the tunnel. She gets the thigh rewrapped. She gets the ankle rewrapped, and she tries to continue to play. Uh, but Sasnovich, first point, makes the serve, hits a drop shot. Brutal. That's ruthless from Sasnovich. Shout out to her. Hey, great shot. And, you know, again, 3-all, 15-all. Serena has a shot. Sasnovich hits a shot behind Serena. Serena tries to change direction, feels that ankle give up. She's in tears because of how much pain she was in, and you could feel that pain. It was palpable through the screen, and the crowd's reaction. That is one of those nice things with having a crowd back is you can feel them feel Serena's pain, and it creates an energy that we were all feeling that sort of pain. It's devastating to see Serena Williams not get to at least be defeated. If she's not going to get to 24, I want it, and I think we all should want it to be because people now are better than her, not because her body gives out, but again, she wasn't the only one. Manorino slips 
all throughout his match and ends up injuring himself against Federer on that center court. Murray complained about the conditions. It was super slick in Wimbledon because there's been a lot of rain, a lot of humidity. That affects these grass courts. Now, to be honest, I'm not well-researched enough on the topic to talk about is there a higher propensity of injury rate on grass courts compared to play, compared to clay, compared to hard courts. Should we be considering grass's place in the modern game and the effect it has of trying to play these long points because of the increase physicality does that increase the percentage of injury now in grass court matches those are questions that certainly deserve to be asked and you know people will continue to explore it as data becomes available we will explore it here on our cracked rackets podcast but it was devastating to see serena williams be uh, again uh to to lose to have to withdraw from this event in this fashion to not at least see one of these young players take a shot at her and now by the way you look at that section of the draw because serena williams was the number six seed there certainly we thought angelique kerber had a shot to beat her that's now Kerber's section of the draw to lose. You look now, uh, you know, she has the winner of Cerebas, Tormo, or Konya next. If it's one, either of those, that's probably her toughest match until the round of 16 where she would face by seeds either a Belinda Bencic or a Coco Gauff. But even then, you probably favor Kerber given the pedigree on grass compared to Coco Gauff, the recent form compared to Belinda Bencic. Angelique Kerber has an opportunity to make a second. She should make the second week of this Grand Slam's quarterfinals now. Probably a justifiable expectation for her. Maybe that's a futures bet you'd like if you'd like her over Bencic or Goff. But, you know, for Sasnovich, she'll play the winner of Habino Pera, whose match didn't finish there in a third set. Bernardo Pera only plays three-set matches. We've learned that here on the Mini Break Podcast over the past year. But, I mean, certainly, again... Was Serena the favorite entering this Wimbledon? Odds makers say yes. Had you heard the Lucero podcast we did, which unfortunately, again, because of the audio difficulties, we're just not going to be able to run. But I think you heard me express this sentiment. She wasn't in my top tier. I thought maybe she was going to be able to serve her way through the early rounds, but I just thought the higher the level of competition, the more she needed to do more things, you know, break not just once, but maybe twice or three times per set that it was going to become more difficult for her as the quality of server got higher and higher as the physicality increased and increased, but just, again, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to see her uh, at this 2021 Wimbledon. Hopefully, she gets healthy for the 2021 U.S. Open. We weren't going to see her at the Olympics anyways, but we really want to see her in New York in front of a crowd. So, again, Hopefully she stays safe, gets healthy. Alex Sasnovich now going to be a favorite, by the way. And even though she's Alexandra, Alex's can call each other whatever we want. Alex Sasnovich now, favorite to advance to the round of 32. She'll be a 52.8% favorite over Para or Habino. More so if it's Habino who ends up knocking off Para. Uh, But look, that was absolutely one of the biggest storylines because you look at that top half now. I mean, Ashley Barty's favorites, she's now up to plus 400, according to odds makers. That's 6-1, victory for her. You know, Suarez Navarro holds that first game, but I actually thought physically Barty passed the test. She looked pretty good in the outer third. She looked comfortable moving right, moving left, hitting slice, hitting through that backhand when needed. I thought the serve looked good. Again, her movement looked fine. Still trying to find her comfort level on a grass court, but that's just because she didn't play any warm-up events as she was nursing that injury. I thought the serve looked good, but could be better. I thought she volleyed well. You know, Suarez Navarro moves the ball around so well. She's never going to hit the same shot twice in a row and took balls early, kept Barty on her back foot, but Barty responded well on her back foot. She's the favorite in the top half of the draw, but outside of that, you know, again, 
Ostapenkos of the world, Kasatkinas of the world, the Conteves, the Vikas, the uh, Coco Goffs, the Kerbers, they're all looming. This is a wide open top section of the draw. And a lot of these names have survived the first round. They get through that second round. Now we're talking about a really fun final 10 days of this 2021 Wimbledon. Unfortunately, they will not include Serena Williams as she again withdraws from her first round match. Let's flip gears now, talk Roger Federer. And again, I apologize if some of you are hearing this segment for the second time you listen to those instant reaction podcasts. But look... Federer advancing is significant. He was a tier three player for me in terms of contenders entering this event. And I do think this result justifies that tier three placement because the numbers don't lie if you've actually been watching Roger Federer. His break percentage, 16.5% here in his 2021 matches. That's the lowest of his career, only the second time he's been under 20% as a break percentage in ATP-level matches. I know it's a fewer than 10-match sample size, but that's the lowest number for him since the 2000 season. That feels about right, and you look for him right now, hold percentage, 86.5%. That, that's the lowest number for him since the 2002, uh, 2001 season. Oh, no, 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 2000 season, excuse me. Oh, uh, no, 2001, that was correct. 2001 season. I'm not saying we're at the end. Well, I first of all, you can— I can say we're at the end of Roger Federer without it diminishing the player that he still is, A, and the career that he's had, B, because just objectively, this is not even 2017, 2018, 2019 Roger Federer, and he's had a couple of surgeries since then, and it's all finally started to add up. The timing was off for him in this match, and he struggled even in taking that first set 6-4. He didn't hit returns particularly cleanly. He wasn't, you know, the serve looked good. The plus one tennis looked good. When he was able to play on his terms and keep things easy, he looked very good throughout this match. But credit to Adrian Manorino, whose only winning record in ATP-level matches via surface is on grass courts compared to clay or hard courts in, you know, lefty game into a one-handed backhand. Always a difficulty from a matchup perspective. He kept the ball low on Federer. He never hit the ball twice in the same direction. Kept moving Federer out of third, out of third, out of third. Tried to get that return deep into the court and not just allow Federer an easy attacking ball, more so than focusing on going down the line or cross court and just put a lot of pressure on Federer throughout the course of this match. And again, it's unfortunate that Manorino does slip and he's unable to continue physically because... It would have been a very interesting data point to see Federer compete and how he looked physically in a fifth set. It's a credit to Roger Federer after dropping set number three. You know, again, it was what a, I believe it was a 6 4, 6 7, 3 6, 6 2 victory. Manorino retires after one point in the fifth set. Uh, you know, Federer broke immediately to start set number four, and he really did lock in on getting his returns deep, and that slice had a little more cut to it and a little more depth to it, and his forehand a little bit more range to it, and he started giving himself a little bit more margin for error when Manorino did push him cross-court to a Federer on-the-run forehand, and, you know, again, 
the volley started landing for him. He found his timing a little bit better at the net. His return, he started landing it a little bit deeper in the court, and Manorino's first serve percentage dropped. And you can't give Roger Federer looks at second serves because, of course, he's got the best timing and precision, and when you offer him that second serve, he is going to attack it. You look at that number for him, he's winning 56.8% of his second serve points. That's right in line with his career average. So he still does that extraordinarily well. It's, you know, the first serve, uh, it's not at 56.8%, excuse me. It's a little bit lower than that, but he still does that as well as he has ever done it. The issue is just, again, the margin for error for Federer has thinned, and Manorino is a tricky first opponent when you've played fewer than 10 matches, and you've only played two grass court matches in the past two years, and for Federer, you know, it was a close 6-5 and five win over Avashka, three-set loss to FAA in Hala. Uh, Manorino keeps the ball low. He doesn't hit you a rhythm ball. He moves you side to side, throws garbage at you as well absorbs and redirects your pace and doesn't provide you much to work off of yourself. And yet Federer found solutions and he kept his head down and he kept, you know, again, that fourth set physically played a really good set. Obviously after Manorino slipped, he began to suffer and him pulling out, I think it made sense. You could understand, you could just tell physically he was super, super weary. Uh, But it's a credit to Roger Federer for putting that pressure on him early in the fourth set, staying the course. And now you look for Federer, you look at his portion of the draw as he's able to get through this match. He's now got Richard Gasquet. And that's a player he's seen a million times. And that's not a player who's going to try and stretch him and play 10, 15, 20-shot rallies. Those are going to be quick points. That's a fantastic match for Roger Federer to find his bearings in in round number two. And then, at that point, Roger's got two matches under his belt. And he would play either Alex Bolt, who, dangerous Australian, going to throw junk at Federer, make things uncomfortable, or Luca Pui up 7-6 for a set to be finished against Cam Nori. Nori, lefty, going to make that. I think Nori's the worst matchup of the three because, again, physically the challenge he'll pose to Roger Federer, just he'll move him side to side. It's very similar to Manorino, but a little bit more polished. I think that's actually, I think Nori would be the guy to beat Federer in round number three, but Federer's got an 11.7% chance of winning this tournament, according to Tennis Abstract's uh, Wimbledon forecast. That's the second highest percentage behind only Novak Djokovic. That speaks to the respect, the numbers, and the metrics, and his success on grass courts. It all has for Roger Roger, despite his lack of grass court uh, matches under his belt. Now, again, I think that's deceiving. I still stand by my statement via the eye test. I don't put him on the same tier as a Medvedev who four sets over Struve or a Berrettini or even a Zverev or a Chilich or a Rublev right now because I just think physically those guys are not Chilich, but Chilich is on the Federer level. I retract the Chilich statement, but those next geners, I just think physically they're on a different level than Roger right now, and they are going to be able to handle his first strike and throw some aggression at him as well. But look, if Roger Federer can get to the second week, at that point, it's second week Roger Federer at Wimbledon. That's when the magic begins to emerge. And if he can just manage himself physically through week number one, get through, you know, this was a four-set match. He's probably fortunate he didn't have to play a fifth. If he can get through these next two and straight-set victories and just begin to find his rhythm, 
That's a dangerous Roger Federer. Now, again, my bet would be against that. I don't think slam number 21's in the cards for Roger, but certainly you look at the numbers in this match for him. He did serve well. He did have success on his first serve for Roger Federer in this match. You look at the numbers, make 61% of his first serves, win 74% of those points, 65% of his second serve points, only broken twice in the match. He got the job done. And ultimately, he was in a winning position. Obviously, the Manorino injury disappointing, but he advances to the second round. 6-4, 6-7, 3-6, 6-2 over Adrian Manorino. The last match I want to break down in depth, and of course, I'm going to go through all the results, the upsets, the matches that go the distance, the you know uh, matches that are still to be finished, preview day three as well. But I want to talk about Sebastian Corda and Alex Diemenauer because... This match was exactly what I hoped it would be, and it was actually the match of our, my Patreon match of the day segment on day one, and unfortunately, we have a Patreon match of the day curse on day one. It was Demon Hour Corda. That match gets rained out. Day two, it was Ostapenko Fernandez. That match gets rained out, just so all of you know, day three was Sakari Rogers, and if you'd want to join that or hear that content, Patreon, you can find our Patreon link on our Crack Rackets website, crackrackets.com. Anyways, um, you know... I thought this would be an interesting match because the physicality of Demon Hour, his game, his ability to hit in the outer thirds, his ability to stretch opponents into the outer thirds, I wanted to see how young Sebastian Corda would handle that test because obviously for Corda, he still has not played many grass court matches in his career. You look for him overall, uh, he's now played four. The three matches he got in Hala, win over Bautista Agut, three-set win over Nishikori, three-set loss to Uko Umber. That is a damn good initial sample size for Sebastian Corda. And I've said this on a prior preview podcast, Sebastian Corda is never going to look more like Tomas Burdich than he does playing grass court matches, the length, the explosion off of both the forehand and the backhand wing, his ability to hit big down the line, but more importantly, his ability to hit big cross court and not just big and flat cross court, but with angle and with depth and just that ball is a nightmare. And of course, he is still six foot four, six foot five. Can hit cannons of serves. Has great length on his return and such a condensed backhand backswing, and obviously a condensed forehand as well. And a comfort level moving forward, and a willingness to play slice, but a slice with drive, and just again a hu- uh, not a hubris because it's de- a deserved pride. Just a, the confidence to hit the overhead too when he's at the net, and that's the play people go to. He just can do a little bit of everything. Thing. And obviously, for Corda, 39 and 15 in his last 52. He's held 81% of the time. That's a top 20 number on Tennis Abstracts leaderboard. He's broken 27.6% of the time. That's a top 30 number on Tennis Abstracts leaderboard. He's not in the top 15 or the top 20 club, but he's sniffing both of them, and it's worth remembering he is still only 20 years old. Now, he turns 21 on July 5th, but again, for him, he belongs in the top 50. Let's be honest, the metrics and the eye test confirm he belongs in the top 30, 39 and 15, and for him to win that Parma title on clay and then lose first round to Martinez Portero, that was disappointing, and certainly it's a similar disappointment for Hour, who wins last week in the build up to this Wimbledon event at Eastbourne and then loses first round here to Corda. But look, Corda just had the biggest weapons in this match. And Corda breaks four times. Um, uh, Demon Hour, excuse me, breaks twice. They, you know, it's one break of serve in set number one. 
Korda gets it early, he holds serve the rest of the way. It's one break of serve in set number two, but Korda put so much pressure on the Demon Hour service games because even when Demon Hour was landing first serves, and you know, the Demon first serve 115 to 125 miles per hour, but because of his length, Korda gets a clean rip on him, and at a minimum, the point's at neutral, or most of the time, that ball's at the feet of Alex Diemenauer, and at best, he can only respond with a neutral ball to Sebastian Korda, and you just can't play Sebastian Korda at neutral, because if you give him time from the center of the court, now you're on his terms. He's going to go big cross, big cross, big line, or he's going to throw a slice that has a little bit more depth than you think, and again, you're now giving him another neutral ball, giving him time to run around, play the forehand inside out, inside in, play the backhand down the line. Just do the different things he does. He's comfortable moving forward. His game explosive as well. And you look at the biggest difference in this match statistically between these two players. Korda able to win 64% of his second serve points, 76% of his first serve points. Hour only at 51% of his second serve, 66% of his second serve points. That Korda serve just a little bit bigger. And again, Hour came so close in this match, and there are a couple of moments, 5-3, 30-all, Korda serving for the first set. Hour has the forehand approach put away, misses it in the net. 2-all, 30-all, or maybe it was 2-1, 30-all, second set, same ball, Hour misses it in the net again. High volley, I think it was a 30-all, of high forehand volley in that third set to set up a break point, or maybe it was on a break point, excuse me, in that fourth set, Hour has the put away, misses it in the net. In a game, in a match that was six three six four six seven seven six, that featured you know six total breaks of serve, three points can make a difference. And honest to God, if Demon Hour makes two of those three forehand approach shots, there's a chance he flips this match and wins it. And that's why I think don't hit the panic button if you are an Alex Demon Hour fan, because I do think his best tennis is in front of him. Obviously, the U.S. Open event where he has traditionally had success throughout his career, quarterfinals there last year, he's made a round of sixteen there before the summer hard courts. His speed, uh, obviously all of it amplified on that surface. You look for him, the title in Eastbourne, a much needed title for him after he struggled throughout the clay court season. He also made semifinals of the Queens Club. Again, this win tells me more about Sebastian Corda. It tells me Sebastian Corda is a top 30 player right now. He belongs seated at the slams. He's only going to ascend higher than that in his career. And to be honest, with his ability, because Demon Hour was great in the outer thirds at moments of this match and did manage to track down that big Corda uh, ball and either pass him down the line or manages to hit it big to the open spate cross court because that's the sort of athleticism he has. But when Corda was able to jam the backhand with pace, or even when uh, Demauer made those cross courts, at times Corda was able to still track that ball down, beat him to the spot, go big down the line. He, he can play matches on his terms, but he can also grind from the baseline with needed. While he's, his volleys aren't exceptional yet, he's comfortable moving forward. He's a good volleyer, and he knows how to react while at the that the ceiling is very, very high for Sebastian Corda. It, let's be honest, it's the highest of any of the American men. He is now officially surpassed. I would, oh, Opelka's ceiling, huh? Opelka's ceiling, he's seven feet tall. Hey, great shot. Uh, 
I mean, I still think Opelka is going to win a Wimbledon by 2026, but I think Korda could as well. That game is so, so explosive. And again, athletically, he's on the level. The Korda family, they just did it right. This match tells me he's a top 30 guy, if not higher than that. Of course, for Demon Hour, against the highest level of competition, that weakness continues to be exposed. He doesn't have an easy weapon. A lot of the time, he's read and react, not the one dictating, imposing his will. And against guys of Korda's level top 20 players, that becomes an issue. But he was playing a top 20 player first round, and that's just an unfortunate draw. There's a world where Alex Diemenauer doesn't make draw Sebastian Corda, ends up in the quarterfinals, maybe even further of this event. Unfortunately, that world is not the one we live in. Sebastian Corda, exceptional in this performance, 6-3-6-4-6-7-7-6. He advances to the second round of Wimbledon for the first time. And by the way, you look at, and again, I already mentioned the number for Corda, 39-15. and 15. He's won 72% of his matches in the last 52 weeks. That's what a top 20 player does, by the way. That's what a top 15 player does, to be honest. But you look at this section of the draw now for Sebastian Corda. I mean, it's very very open. You look for him. Now he gets through the number 15 seed. He's got Antoine Huang tomorrow, who just won a five-set physical match against Xi Zhang. Uh, if he gets through that, he'd play the winner of Evans or Lajevic, and you think with his power, that serve into the one-handed backhand of Evans, he's going to have opportunities to attack. That's a very winnable match. And then the number three seed in that section, Stefano Tsitsipas, has already been knocked out. So is there a world where we see Korda not only in the fourth round, but potentially in the quarterfinals of a Grand Slam at the age of 21? The answer to that question is yes. The draw is open for him to do it. His level of play is there for him to do it. Super impressed by young Sebastian Corda, who advances again in four sets over number 15 seed Alex Diemenauer. And speaking of advancing, I have promised you I would advance my skill level in my ad reads, my segues throughout the course of this 2021 Wimbledon. I don't know if this one will do it, but I will tell you this. If you want to advance your quality of below-the-waist grooming, switch to our friends over at Manscaped, who are the best in the world in men's below-the-waist grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and just launch their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard me correctly, folks. Fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You don't want to hear about my personal grooming. I'll just say I have to do it. It's made significantly easier when I can turn to something called the Ultra Smooth Package, such as I can turn to something like the Lawnmower 4.0, which is the sort of products our friends at Manscaped provide. They have turned grooming time into my favorite time in the bathroom. They can do that for you as well. You use our promo code NEWBALLSPLEASE at manscaped.com. You'll get 20% off your order as well, as well as free worldwide shipping. Again, that's new balls, please, at manscaped.com. They're letting us use the promo code new balls, please. That's a dream come true for me here at Crack Rack. It's the least I can ask you to do. Allow us to continue this dream, support our friends at Manscaped, provide, join the over 2 million men worldwide, I should say, who trust Manscaped with their below the waist grooming needs. Manscaped.com. The promo code is new balls, please. With that in mind, let's get to the rest of of these results here on day number two. And again, at Great Shot Pod, was the segue better? Was the ad read better? I am happy to be told while it was not. I am happy to take suggestions on how you think I should transition from grass court tennis 
into Manscaped. Look, do you want me to say, do you need to mow your lawn? Because I would say that. I am happy to refer to your lawn in these Manscaped ads. Obviously, do you need to refer to your lawn, your grass court, a.k.a. the Wimbledon courts, a.k.a. your below-the-waist grooming needs? I almost said, I'm not going to get that vile. I'm not going to say the word or as I did there, I'll have Westoff crack it, uh, quack it out. But yeah, uh, again, I- I'm happy to get graphic with it. If you guys are okay with that, just give me the green light. If you want me to go full Manscaped dad, they've given me the green light. I just need it from you listeners as well. Anyways, I know you guys will give me the green light to transition into my conversation on the rest of these matches here on day number two. So let's do that now. And let's start with the seeds who were upset on the day. Obviously, Serena Williams knocked out. Alex Diemenauer knocked out. You also had Marta Kostyuk. I would say an upset in name only. She was the money line favorite. We, I think, all predicted her to advance over number 17 seed Kiki Burtons, who was playing in her final Wimbledon and obviously has struggled with so many injuries of late, is not playing the sort of tennis she did back in 2018-2019. But look, Kostyuk can play. And while she's known for her power and her FU attitude, which is I'm hitting the ball how I want, when I want, we're playing on my terms, this point ends now. Um, She's also a sneaky good athlete, great flexibility, powerful first step, good server, aggressive returner. She played on her terms here and responded to everything Burton's threw at her 6-3-6-4 victory, Kostyuk advances again. I don't think that's an upset. Certainly it's a seed going out, but I think that's a result we saw coming if you listen to the GSP Ace of the Day, you know I thought Martin Sova Risk was going to go three sets. Martin Sova's played some really good grass court tennis of late. Allie Risk just hasn't played a lot of tennis of late due to injuries. And ultimately, Martin Sova advances 6 2 4 6 6 1 to the second round. Now, again, I think this loss has more to do with the. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, Martin Sova played an excellent match. But uh, why this isn't the biggest upset is because Risk just hadn't played that much tennis of late. And you look at this section of the draw. Pliskova, Vekic, Podoroska, Martinsova. Given the levels of all four of them, I mean, certainly on paper, Pliskova's the favorite, but has she proven to be a definitive favorite in any event she's played this year? Probably not, so that feels like a pretty open section, and of course, that's also the section that saw Petra Kvitova already eliminated. If you are someone who's looking at the draw moving forward, Jess Pagula, on paper, has had the best form of any of the players remaining in this Pliskova section of the draw, or at least this top section, to get to the quarterfinals. Again, Risk eliminated, Kvitova eliminated, seeds left are Pliskova and Pagula. If we see that matchup again with a spot uh, in the in the quarterfinals on the line. How just fantastic would that be? That In fact, I'm guaranteeing that. Put that on the board, Westoff. Pliskova versus Pegula. Cut that out. I feel like that's just the way the tennis gods have blessed us this year. They're going to end up playing in round number four. But, you know, again, ultimately, Ali Risk eliminated. And you look at the seeds eliminated through round one thus far. The Serena with context, she was nursing an injury. Not too shocked. I mean, shocking certainly but at least explainable Kvitova losing to Sloane Stevens Sloane played extraordinarily well but Kvitova did not play a good match that is the one I would say true upset of the tournament thus far because Burton's losing to Kostyuk expected risk to Martin Sova certainly we could see that coming and then Kudermatova Golubic was always going to be a toss-up those are the upsets we've seen thus far on the women's side on the men's side again with context being king Korda Demonauer 
always a toss-up. Corda ends up earning the victory. Certainly, you would have liked to see Demon Hour advance, but as I just spent time, uh, you know, saying uh, on the podcast, I won't repeat myself here. This had more to do with Sebastian Corda's level. He belongs with a seed next to his name at the slams moving forward. But the rest of the losses, Tsitsipas to Tiafo, tough transition. You know, he didn't play his best tennis. Tiafo always dangerous at the slam. Surprising, not shocking. Sinner Fucevic. Fucevic wins first round matches against seeds. That's how he's made his living. Sinner, very small sample size of grass court matches. Not shocking. Basilishvili Murray, watching it happen, how it happened, absolutely f***ing shocking. But again, with the context that Andy Murray hadn't played many, if any, matches in the past 52 weeks, and the context being, uh, oh, he had played some, but not so not many, I suppose. And again, on this surface, in that environment, makes sense. Kopfer, from a matchup perspective, just seems to have Opelka's number. That was surprising, not shocking. And then Kudla over Davidovich Fokina, not surprising at all. That was a toss-up match going into it. So outside of Kvitova's loss, I suppose you can throw Tsitsipas' loss in there as well. Only two really shocking upsets through day two, given what we've seen at these slams over the past, I would say, 18 months. Feels like a calm before the storm. We're either waiting for big developments or maybe finally we're starting to see some comfort level for, from these players after nine consecutive months of play. They finally have regained their rhythm here at the slams. But those were your upsets on the day in terms of the matches that went the distance. Seven other three setters on the women's side. I already mentioned Ashley Barty, 6-1-6-7-6-1. So great to see Suarez Navarro get the send-off she deserved from those fans on center court. Again, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but in terms of Ashley Barty's level, serve looked good, movement to the outer thirds looked good, game looked rusty in general, but that's what happens when you don't play for a month. She looks healthy, and I think that's the real takeaway, is that she is healthy, and if so, she can absolutely win this event. So, Barty, number one seed next to her name, favorite status, re-engaged. She absolutely belongs in the second week of this event. You also had the reset win from Petra Martic, much needed win six seven six four six three in a match that was continued from yesterday over Gracheva. Venus Williams three set win over Buzna Rescue. I bet you could have gotten fantastic odds on Venus outlasting Serena at this Wimbledon, probably five to one, maybe even ten to one in certain corners. She ends up advancing now. You look for Venus in her next match. It's certainly going to be a tricky one as she is going to take on Own Jabour, but Again, just having Venus Williams back on court with all she has gone through, it's such a pleasure for all of us tennis fans. So fantastic three-set victory for her. Uh, you also had three-set wins from uh, Lin Zhu over Bartel in three sets. Claire Liu broken serving for the match at 5-4, but ends up closing out 9-7 victory in the third over Masaki Doi, her first Grand Slam win since 2018. And you look for the former Junior Slam champion, someone a lot of us who followed American Junior Tennis closely have uh, continued to have and had high expectations for as she emerged in her pro career. And again, expectations in that she has the talent, she has the skill set, she has the composure to be a top 100 player consistently. 21 years old, she's ranked number 104 now with this victory. That's a new career high. It's a tough matchup for her against Rubakina next, but Claire Liu is back on the path. 104 at 21 years old. She's going to have some opportunities to play, qualifying at the summer hard court events, certainly get to 
to set her schedule a little bit more on her terms. That's where you want to be at 21 years old. So the resumption, you know, the big breakthrough coming for her, was it as early as a Goff, as an Anisimova, as a CeCe Bellis? No. As a Cannon? No. But again, patience is a virtue. Claire Lou's rise is here. Fantastic to see her. She's also the, one of the kindest people you're going to meet out there. Fantastic to see her earn the victory. And again, she's just explosive off of both wings. Her game works. Uh, speaking of explosive, 6-1-5-7-6-3 win for Shelby Rogers over Sam Stozer. Sets up a really fun thir- uh, second round match. My match of the day today, as mentioned, against 15th seeded Maria Sakari. And then Madison Brangle ends up holding on 3-6-7-5-10-8 over Christina McHale. In terms of the men's side matches, that go the distance. Shapovalov 4-5 comes out serving after the match got paused last night due to darkness. He is uh, ends up losing the thir- uh, fourth set 7-5 but ultimately comes back 6-4 in the fifth to advance to the second round of Wimbledon for the second time in his career. It was a tricky matchup but you know ultimately for him his physicality wore out and I think from a confidence perspective that was a big win for Shapovalov who again is in that open section of the draw that no longer has a Basilashvili, no longer has an open Pelka, but, you know, an RBA looming, certainly from a firepower standpoint, Shapovalov can match him. So quarterfinals, you know, a potential showdown with Andy Murray in round three looms from a firepower perspective. That's a tough matchup for Murray. So opportunity is here for Dennis Shapovalov to make second week, perhaps quarterfinals even as well. It was important for him to survive this one. He does. Five-set win over Cole Schreiber. You also had the second enacting of the uh, the 12-all tiebreaker in the fifth set, Oscar Ota, the cross love child of Max Cressy and Benoit Pair. 13-12 over former A&M All-American Arthur Rinderneck. Antoine Huang, five sets over Zhang, Pablo Andahar, 8-6 in the fifth over Pierre Hughes-Herbert. And then the deuce... Dusan Lajevic, 6-3 in the fifth set over Jill Simone. In terms of the other results on the day, we'll start with the women's side. Straight set victories, and again, these are the players who have been good week in, week out. So if you're listening to the Mini Break podcast, you're not going to be surprised to hear Sakari, 1-1 one one victory. Mertens, 1-3 victory. Goff, 5-4 victory. Jabour, 2-1 victory. Pagula, 3-1 victory. No, a lot of those players don't have a lot of experience on grass courts. I suppose Mertens, Sakari do have a comfortable amount, but they all looked comfortable, and they're all just playing confident tennis. Their game's going to work across surface, their physicality, translating. They're all in, or near, I mean, Goff, the exception, the others in the prime of their career. Goff's only going to get better. That's the scary part, but, you know, again, fantastic results for those seeds. They all look in form entering this fortnight. Big win for number eight seed Carolina Pliskova, down 2-5 in the first set, two French Open semifinals tomorrow. Zidanezic, she ultimately earns a 7-5-6-4 win, and as I discussed already, you look at her section of the draw for Pliskova. Risk knocked out. She's got Vekic next, then a potential Podorosko and Martin Sova, then a potential probably Pagula. Why can't she make the quarterfinals of this match? Why can't she make a deep run here, given the inexperience of some of these other players in the draw, given that she you know, is one of those players who have made a quarterfinal at this event that window for Carolina Pliskova gets narrow and narrower, but certainly this feels like still on the tail end of that window. If she's able to find her best form, her serve, her aggression, this surface, who knows what can happen. She's going to need it. Didn't play her best match. Tough test with Vekic coming up, who, by the way, was a straight set winner over Potapova and seems to have finally regained her form. 
Uh, but that was a good win for Pliskova. Fantastic win for 2021 French Open champion Barbara Krejcikova, 3-2 and two over young Clara Tossin. Just was able to get Tossin stretch, exposed, you know, the advanced physical. You know, she's just a more physical player than Tossin is at this stage and made that match physical. Ditto for Angelique Kerber. Her form continues and she looks in she looks in shape and ready for this event. You know, no wariness from last week's Bad Hamburg title. 4-3 and three win for her over Stoyanovich. Your other winners on the day, Zivana Reva, 5-4 and four over Buzkova. You also saw wins in straight sets from Samsonova, Blinkova, Podoroska, Vesnina, and Petkovic. Those were your day two women's results on the men's side. Medvedev, Push to a fourth set, ultimately gets some revenge. 6-4-6-1-4-6-7-6 over Jan Leonard Struff. Struff had beaten him on the grass in the warm-up to this Wimbledon. Again, Djokovician physicality with Isner's first serve. I know on paper and via word that sounds hyperbolic, but that's what Medvedev looks like at his best. Now, it's not quite Djokovic physicality, but it's Djokovician. And again, his precision, his depth, the heaviness of his ball, not quite at Djokovic's level, but certainly when he gets stretched in the outer thirds, he can do things on a grass court. That's not a thing a lot of people can say. He can go down the line, cross court, short angles, drop shots, play plus one, do all of these things, puts a million returns in the court. This was a great adjustment from him. He clearly was energized entering this match and could have gotten frustrated after dropping that third set, had a million opportunities to earn a break back of Struff, but ultimately serves it out in the breaker, 7-6 in the fourth set. I thought it was good performances from Zverev, Schwartzman, Evans, who all earned straight set victories over Greek Sport, Pear, and Lopez, respectively. You also had a straight set win from Fabio Fognini over Ramos Vinoles. Most impressive I've seen Hoopy Hercots look since uh, Miami in a four, uh, three-set win for him, excuse me, over young Italian star Lorenzo Musetti was a 6-4-7-6-6-1 win for Hercots, who just was like, hey, you think you can make shots? I can do everything you can do, Lorenzo, and I'm six foot six and can serve like this. Just his movement, his ability to stretch. Again, there's Medvedevian, Medvedevian qualities to Hercot, only a little bit more decisiveness, a little bit less patience, a little bit less grind in him, although he does have the ability to do that when he wants. But again, he's a guy who likes to move forward, and that skill set at the net, his willingness to take chances, rewarded on these grass courts. He looked very good in his straight set victory. And again, we just haven't seen too many surprising results results yet. On the men's side, you look across the board. Lloyd Harris, big serving win. He should be good on grass in his career. This is a win he needed to have, and he gets, not needed to have, but you'd like to see him win, and he does. Three, four, and six over Barankis. Bolt continues his good form on the grass. Three sets over Krajinovic in terms of your four-set results. Gerasimov, Pullman's Quan, Sangren, Laszlo Jure, Richard Gasquet, your winners on the men's side. Now, we do have a couple of highlight matches, uh, I should say one in particular, yet to finish on the women's side. As expected, Bernardo Pera, now Habino. All Pera does is split sets. 1-6-7-5, that match entering the third set as play resumes tomorrow. You're also waiting for results from Zapata Morales and Garin. Zapata Morales up on the number 17 seed, Garin, who, again, never going to be known for his grass court prowess, but 7-6-3-6-6-3, Zapata Morales leads. You also have a lead for Miguel Monfils, 3-2 in the fifth over Chris O'Connell. Luca Pui, 7-6. He took the first set, 8-6 in a breaker over number 29 seed Cam Nori. That one promises to be very fun. That was going to be my other Hollywood match. Chilich, 7-6 first set over Caruso, Jean-Luca Magier, 7-6-6 love, 4-6 lead on uh, Lundero. But the match we will all be locked in on Ugo Umber, Nick Kyrgios. Three all in the fifth set. 
They played five sets when they played in Australia. Kyrgios took the first set today, 6-4, then two sets to Embarer, 6-4, 6 set for Kyrgios. Got the early break, got the crowd engaged, was energized, was making returns deep in the court, was serving with such authority. And again, I'll wait for this match to finish, and I have a guest lined up tomorrow who I'm excited to talk Kyrgios with, so I'll save the big Kyrgios breakdown for then because it's the sort of guest I want to talk exactly about this topic with, but... There are two people in this world, people who enjoy Nick Kyrgios when he's playing on court and people who are liars. Because if you don't enjoy Nick Kyrgios, I don't know what's wrong with you. I'm not judging, again, his antics off the court, antics, his antics, I should say, on the court, his antics off the court. Have you heard of the Nick Kyrgios Foundation? Have you seen what he does with his time off the court actually? You know, some of his commentary, sure, can be questionable and that's a generous interpretation. But him as a performer, him as a tennis player, he's a PTP, prime time performer. You know, I think he's like 45 and 23 in his career at slams. I listed all of his losses the other day. They're all the top 10 players or Milos Raonic over the past three years at these slams. And just, he's an elite server on these surfaces, his will, and this surface in particular, his willingness to move forward. And I know he's complaining, make grass fast again. Why aren't these surfaces quicker than they're playing? But, you know, again, when it's clicking, when he's engaging the crowd, when he's having fun, when someone in the crowd yells, serve tea, and he goes, oh, okay, and then he hits the the serve tea and, you know, hits it big and draws the return error, and then he points at the guy and engages the crowd, that's what tennis is missing. Those sorts of performers are just engaging. They are, and I know that is not the traditional message and energy associated with tennis players, but it's the energy of the modern day. And I know it's brash and I know it's, you know, again, a bit self-indulgent, but it's very enjoyable to watch, particularly when it's clicking. And, you know, again, there's a respect level Kyrgios has for Ugo Umber that seems to mitigate some of his worst qualities in this match. This has been a high-level affair. Ugo Umber is a shot maker. Guy slaps winners at will, changes directions at will, uses that body serve so effectively. Three all in the fifth. I cannot wait for that match to finish up. But again, six matches on the men's side, one match on the women's side. Those are our day two matches yet to finish. And that leads us in to day number three of this 2021 Wimbledon. As I did yesterday, I've got it down to my top 10 matches on the men's and women's side because we do have that many right now. And you're going to hear this podcast likely as these matches have already begun. So I'm not going to spend too long breaking them down. If you want to hear a breakdown, GSP Ace of the Day, Match of the Day segment for our Patreon subscribers. On the women's side, number 10, Teichman Georgie. I just, again, contrast of style. Lefty, Teichman moves the ball around the court. Georgie, big hitting, Funky dad, always entertaining. They're, oh, they're number 11. Oops, one too many. I forgot to erase them. They're off the list. Number 10, let's try that again. Pagula, Samsonova, Samsonova, WTA title winner in the warm-up. Big news, Pagula, Bill's owner, super cool, American women's tennis. Let's go. Number nine, Sviantek, number seven, uh, seventh seed, taking on Zvonareva. Zvonareva, former finalist at this event, Sviantek, an heir apparent in the women's game, makes the case for itself. Number eight, Alexandrova, Osorio Serrano. I'm weird. I know. Alexandrova bandwagon. We share a name. Let's go. Number seven, Cerebus Tormo, taking on Anaconia. You guys know I'm on the Konya bandwagon. Cerebus Tormo's game is just weird in all the right ways. Death by a million paper cuts personified. That match promises to be fun. Number six, Cornet Andrescu. What does BB look like on grass courts? Does the fact that BB Netanyahu lost the prime ministership in Israel mean it's just a downtime for the BB? Should BB start going by Bianca 
Andrescu to disassociate with Bibi Netanyahu. We're not going to talk politics here. Don't worry. We're just talking BBs. I'm sorry. I tried to make a joke. If you didn't like it, at Great Shot Pod, but it's an interesting match. Cornet Andrescu, number six. Number five, Benchich, Yuvan. Again, I'm weird. Four, Lou, Rabakina. Want to see if Claire Lou can handle the power of Rabakina because that's certainly a step up. But if Rabakina cruises through her, now Rabakina, you start thinking second week quarterfinals, semifinals. It's a weird draw. Makes sense. Why not? That's a fun match. Roger Sockery, Patreon match of the day. Shout out to the Crack Rackets patrons. Fernandez Ostapenko, yesterday's match of the day. Shout out to the Crack Rackets patrons. Number one, Conteve von Drusva. It's part of my parlay uh, that from one of our GSP aces of the day, you guys know Conteve. I'm on the bandwagon. I just think really high floor as a player. Great litmus test. I think she can do damage. It's just really tough to beat her of late. So those are my top 10 on the women's side. We'll go through the men's side, I suppose, a little bit faster. Number 10, Jerome Rusevori. Shout out to the tennis hipsters. Number 9, Nishikori Paparin. Big serves, big forehands of Paparin, plus early round matches for Nishikori always seem to get funky at Grand Slams. Number 8, the GOAT, Aslan Karatsev taking on Jeremy Chardy. Number 7, Kasmenovic, RBA, Grinders Paradise. That match is prime. Don't worry. If you've got four hours at some point during the day, you're going to, you know, if you turn on tennis at some point between whenever this match starts and four hours after it, you can have the opportunity to watch part of this because it's going to be a physical grind. Fritz Nakashima, Go American Tennis, Isner Nishioka. If you have 12 feet and seven inches of height and one of the players is a seven footer and the other's five seven and you have that disparity, it's inherently an aesthetically pleasing match. So I'm in on it. Query PCB. Those are two guys under the right circumstances can make deep runs. Tiafo Pospisil. How does Tiafo follow up the win over Tsitsipas? That's a fun matchup. Harris Rublev. Lloyd Harris has big serve, big power. That could provide big problems to Andre Rublev, but I expect Rublev to advance. And then I'm surprised by my number one, but I didn't want to lie to you listeners. I'm going Djokovic-Anderson just because Djokovic's pursuit of Grand Slam number 20, his pursuit of all five of the big titles this year, the four slams and the Olympics, that's on the top of all fans of men's tennis right now. Let's just be honest. That pursuit of history to do that at age 34, all conversations can end at that point. And he's got a legitimate shot to do it and... You know, again, Anderson is just a roadblock in the way. After the final they played in Wimbledon a few years ago, certainly Anderson did not perform well in that match, and he gets another shot at Djokovic, which is why he continues to play. Big serve, this surface, maybe it provides problems, probably not, but I'm locked in on that match. I'm sure you will be as well. That's day number three of Wimbledon, and of course, we will be back tomorrow. To recap all those matches, we will have a guest on tomorrow's mini break, and we should have guests moving forward throughout the course of the fortnight. Of course, we will also have GSP Ace of the Day picks. We'll have Match of the Day segments for our Patreon subscribers, and to find all of that coverage, just tune into our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to all of our Cracked Rackets podcasts. If If you need the more immediate updates throughout the day, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Crack Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out as always to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westhoff for the of any job they do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends at Tennis Point. Remember, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, for super producers Sligar and Westhoff, for our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.